Welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. Today, instead of having a story that references back to some previous episodes like we did a lot of in the Jesus Saga, I actually have a story that Jesus mentioned in one of those episodes, the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. So goes the catchy VeggieTales song from the Jonah movie, which I'm not going to sing here. Sorry, not sorry. Anyways, Jonah was a prophet who was supposed to take God's messages to people. That's the basic function of a prophet. They also sometimes tell the future and do miracles, as you guys know from previous stories, but mostly they're messengers and teachers. You get the respect of your countrymen, renown, a direct line to God that may or may not come with magical powers, people feeding you, getting to tell people what to do, and sometimes they pay you for it, the occasional bit of adventure. It was a pretty sweet gig if you could get it. Well, this is a story in which Jonah did not want to be a prophet. Not because of the problems that plagued Elijah, like people not listening to him or people trying to kill him, but actually because Jonah was afraid he would be successful in spreading his message. I will tell you what happened. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh because I'm tired of their wickedness. Nineveh was not part of Israel. It was a huge and important city, the capital of the powerful nation Assyria. Now, I should mention that though the Christian God is based on or borrowed from this God, Christians, of course, say it's the same God, uh, and is taught as the only God, at this time, the Lord God was just one of the many, many, many gods people worshipped in ancient times. And he was specifically the Lord God of Israel. In many parts of the Old Testament, it's less important that you only believe one God exists, and more important that if you were from the nation of Israel, you only worshipped the Lord God. Israel was his people, he was their God, it's kind of like symbiosis. Assyria had their own gods. But by this time, God's kind of looking for more recognition as the one who claimed to have created the seas and the lands and the heavens and all that. So, as, as the God who claims authority over the whole planet, he's concerned about the behavior of people in large cities who are harming other people. There's actually other stories of even more ancient times about God destroying whole cities because the people were evil. To be honest, Jonah... Jonah didn't care if God did destroy Nineveh. They weren't Jonah's people. They weren't God's people. Jonah didn't like them at all. The text doesn't actually explain why, so I'm making those guesses. This story takes place in very ancient times, in the time of the kings of Israel, as far as I know. And Nineveh wasn't the enemy of Israel at that time, but most of the Old Testament stories, including the book of Jonah, were about times that were already ancient when they were written. So this was written long after it was supposed to have happened when the Assyrians either were or had been oppressing the Israelites. So, like, probably the average audience for the story would have just accepted, oh, of course Nineveh was bad, and of course Jonah didn't want to go there. So, uh, there's your context. So, uh, when Jonah, in this story, was told by God himself to go to Nineveh, he did not. Jonah did not head across the land northeast to Nineveh. He instead got a ship, and he paid the fair and he headed west to Tarshish. So that's like um, across the Mediterranean Sea, kind of near Spain maybe, as far as he could go, as fast as he could go, trying to get away from the Lord God's presence. 
I guess he thought the Lord God was only in Israel so he could leave Israel and get away. But it's not so easy to escape from a super powerful supernatural being in a story about how powerful that being is. So, of course, the Lord God just tossed a violent storm straight towards the boat that Jonah was on out of nowhere. And the sailors had never seen anything like it. And um, they were all terrified that their ship was going to wreck. So every single person aboard prayed to the God they worshipped for help. Everyone but one, ha, you'll never guess who, was not praying to their God. Now you'll probably guess. But the storm continued. The sailors tossed all the ship's cargo overboard, hoping to lighten the load, but they still worried the ship would sink. While everyone was running around praying and trying to keep the boat afloat, they found Jonah in the deepest part of the ship, sound asleep. The captain himself woke Jonah up. What are you doing? He said. Ask your God to save us. Maybe your God will be the one who can help. Meanwhile, the sailors decided that some God had sent the storm specifically because of one person. And they would cast lots to find out who was to blame. It's like flipping coins or spitting bottles or drawing straws until you get an answer. And the answer was clear. The lots selected Jonah. So they went to Jonah. Tell us who's to blame for this storm, they said. Who are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? And who are your people? I'm a Hebrew, Jonah told them, and I worship the Lord God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. And when they heard that bit, that Jonah, the one man who wasn't praying, believed in a God who made the sea, they were terrified. Jonah had already told them he was fleeing the presence of his God, but they didn't really know what God that was supposed to be. Because, you know, there's a lot of gods. So they were like, if Jonah's God had made the seas and the land, where could Jonah even go to hide from him? What have you done? They asked him. And what can we do to calm the storm that is threatening all our lives? Well, you'll have to throw me overboard to quiet the sea, said Jonah. I know you're right. This is my fault. But the men didn't actually want to kill Jonah. So they rowed their boats as hard as they could and as fast as they could, but they still got no closer to safety and no further from danger. And eventually they decided they'd have to do what Jonah said. So they prayed to Jonah's God. Please, Lord God, they said, don't kill us or hold us responsible for the life of this man because we know you're doing whatever it is you want to be doing. Then they threw Jonah into the sea and immediately the storm stopped raging and the waves got smaller and the men were all amazed and offered sacrifices to Jonah's God. Jonah, on the other hand, began to sink. And then a giant fish swallowed him up. Some people say it's a whale. Some people call this story Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the giant fish. There's a big debate. Like, do you call it a whale? Obviously, you don't care what the Bible says because the Bible uses the word giant fish. Anyway, whatever it was, it swallowed Jonah up. Um... And he just sat there in the stomach of this giant fish for three days in the dark. And um, then he decided he better pray because he didn't know what was going to happen. He's, he's not dead yet. He's not digested. He's not. He's sort of been eaten, but he hasn't actually been eaten. So like, well, I guess I better talk to God. He didn't exactly say he was sorry he just said he knew he was about to die and God had saved him by sending the fish. And so he was hoping to one day offer sacrifices to God again because only God could save him. And it was not an apology or a promise to go to Nineveh, but it was good enough for the Lord God for now. So God made the fish swim up to the land and the fish 
Blah, vomited Jonah onto dry land. He must, the fish must have had one heck of a stomach ache. Then the Lord God said, Jonah, I guess you really don't want to go to Nineveh, so I'll find somebody else. And Jonah went home and lived happily ever after. No, ha, <laughs> that did not happen. Jonah wished that would happen. What actually happened was the Lord God came to Jonah, covered in fish slime, and said, get up and go to Nineveh. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh to give them the messages from God. Again, Nineveh was a huge city. It was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It was huge, it was important, and it was apparently corrupt and full of violence. Rather than let the violence continue, God was sending Jonah to issue an ultimatum. You ever heard of an ultimatum? It's a good word to know. It's when a person with power to change something says to the other person or group of people, either you do what I say or I do this really big major thing. That's going to like wreck a lot of stuff. Sometimes an ultimatum is less about expressing power and more about taking back power. So it can be kind of balanced. Like if you cheat at checkers, then I will not play any more checkers. That's, that's a kind of ultimatum. Of course, in this story, God is super powerful. So his ultimatum can't really be balanced. So God's requirement of Nineveh seems to have been this. Stop being corrupt and violent. Repent is the Bible word there for realizing you've done wrong and changing. So uh, honestly, for God, that's a pretty reasonable request if they really were violent, which I mean, I think we're supposed to assume they, all, they were. So, uh, but the possibly less reasonable ultimatum was this, either you repent of your violence or I will completely destroy the entire city and every human and animal and it will die a fiery, horrible death. Um, anyway, that was the message that Jonah was supposed to take. Nineveh was so big, it took three days to walk all the way across it. And that's not going down every little street. That's just like the main street. It's just that huge. So Jonah walked through the city, well, for one day. So, I mean, did he even go through the whole city? And he was hollering this message. Nineveh will be destroyed in 40 days. <laughs> Can you spot the difference between the ultimatum and what Jonah actually said? He's not really big on the gig give Nineveh a chance to change thing. I picture him walking through, trying to be the most boring hellfire and brimstone prophet ever, saying, Nineveh will be destroyed in 40 days. How about that? Huh, well, Nineveh's gonna be destroyed soon. And somehow, even with Jonah's rather biased delivery of the message, everyone believed in what he was saying. They believed in Jonah's God. They believed in Jonah's message, even though I'm not convinced he said it quite right. The men of the city all started wearing sackcloth. Those are scratchy morning clothes to show they recognized they'd been doing wrong things and they would change. Everyone started talking about what Jonah was saying and the message went from the poorest beggar to the richest man all the way up to the king of the huge city and he sent out a message saying, A message from the king. No man or animal can eat or drink anything at all. Moreover, every man and animal must wear sackcloth and everyone must pray to this God and everyone must stop their violence and corruption. And who knows, maybe God will change his mind and stop being so angry at us and we will not be destroyed. Well, that is actually exactly what God had wanted. He did not actually want to destroy the entire city. Apparently, it seems that ultimatums were like the only tool in his persuasion toolbox. So when everyone repented of their violence, God turned from his anger and decided not to destroy the city. Yay, happy ending, right? Not for Jonah, because that's not what Jonah wanted. He wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. He didn't want them to listen to his message. So Jonah prayed to God, 
please, Lord, this is exactly what I was afraid would happen. This is the entire reason I had it as far away from Nineveh as I could go with my unfortunately and unpredictably persuasive tongue. I know you're merciful and compassionate and patient and that you don't want us in disaster. So if you're not going to destroy Nineveh, which I totally hate, please just kill me right now. I'd rather be dead. Amen. And God said, is it right for you to be angry? And I don't think Jonah answered. So then Jonah left the city and sat down in a place where he had a good view and he waited to see what would happen to the city. He still had hope. It was like a very different kind of hope than the hope of the people of Nineveh and not a hope for something good at all, but it was still hope. And as Jonah sat hoping for the destruction of a bunch of people, the Lord sent a plant to Jonah. And this plant grew up overnight, and the next day it provided shade for Jonah to rest under. And Jonah was very pleased. He loved that plant. Then, just before dawn, the next day, the Lord sent a worm to eat the plant. And when the sun was beating down on Jonah, because his beautiful shade plant was gone, God sent a hot wind. And the hot wind made Jonah even hotter and more miserable than ever, and he wished to die again because he was uncomfortable, and his plant was gone. Then God said, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah said, yes, it's right. I'm angry enough. I could die of being angry. Then the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not take care of, or water, which appeared in a night and perished in a night. Shouldn't I care about the huge city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who don't know right from wrong, plus many animals? And... Uh, Then the book just ends right there with God's speech, just plain stops. People who tell Bible stories for Christian children usually feel obligated to say that Jonah felt sorry and learned his lesson. You should also learn a lesson about forgiveness and also obeying God so you don't get swallowed by fishes. Well, sort of. Uh, Even now, I kind of feel this is a strange ending, but we don't usually do lessons here, and I don't feel certain that Jonah would have learned any lesson at all anyways. What do you think would happen next? Does Jonah just flop over and die of anger like he said? Is that even a real medical thing? I have never heard of it. Does he stomp back home? Do the sailors and people of Nineveh all have a huge yay we're happy to believe in God and also not be dead party? Which Jonah is invited to and he refuses to go, thereby missing some good food and music. Do we not really care at all what happens to Jonah because he chooses to be kind of a jerk? Well, that's all for today. Um, I will be back next week with a fun story, which actually has two women in it. The story of Deborah and JL. Uh, I really like it. So come back for that. Thanks for listening to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, star child.